Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Yeah, so uh, good morning, everybody. It's always great to be uh, in Mansfield. And of course, uh, 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 Josh is and Alan are away on holiday. And so uh, Christian's down at Ilkeston this morning. And it's my joy to be here. And as Paul says, uh, we're, we're one church uh, finding expression in uh, numbers of campuses. And that will just continue to grow. And it's going to be great to be together in a, a fortnight's time as we uh, give expression to that. So there's not. Um, so it's just it's just great to be here. Sense what God is doing. Um, I just sent to Jared. This uh, this uh, church has a potential to be a very very large church. I really believe that as one of our expressions. So just keep pressing into God and just keep being Him. Just a couple of very brief things before I launch into the ministry this morning. Number one, thank you for those that supported the uh, Arena Mansfield Bible School night the other Tuesday. Um, I, I, it's the first one we've done here. We've been running down at Ilkeston for numbers of years. Uh, but it's the first one we did here. I went home. I was so thrilled because it absolutely captured uh, the spirit of how we want the Bible school night to go. Uh, so there was refreshments. There was fellowship. There were people entering in with reading. There was enthusiasm. And I really went home blessed, not because of me, but because of you. And uh, so thank you for that. The next one's in May. And uh, just encourage you to be with us. And then just also to say, how about planning to be part of the Arena Ministry School in 2020? Uh, This is a 12-week thing that we've been running. We're we're into week eight next week. And uh, we've got about 15 students in the school. Next year, we're hoping that the the purpose-built building will be ready for us. But uh, begin to think about that. There's some leaflets on the resource table. How about taking one away? We've got a guy from another church at 72, still wants to learn, still keen for God. He said to me on Friday, I feel as I'm just starting and uh, just full of faith. So the 16 plus right through the ages and uh, please take a leaflet and encourage yourself in that going into uh, next year. So we come to the word this morning and uh, over these three weeks building up to the joint service that Paul spoke about two weeks today. Uh, this place is going to be absolutely filled with arena people and uh, Christian's going to uh, just bring a great message that morning that's just going to uh, in- encourage us again with the blessed life, with uh, sowing into our 2020 vision uh, as we go into, if you like, the next year of that. So it's going to be brilliant. And we're just uh, sowing three weeks into uh, uh, the blessed life. Um, the Blessed Life title comes from a book by an American pastor called Pastor Robert Morris. And numbers of years ago, we, we, we did a little bit of uh, teaching in the staff room, uh, our staff meeting, which takes place every Tuesday, staff across the campus. And uh, the, the initial thing was, I, I just wonder whether this guy was corporate America. But I have to say it was impactive. There was something about him, a broken journey, a man that got wonderfully born again from running drugs and uh, has lived a blessed and generous life. And he's just graced in that area. And it sparked a few things in us. And we use that title today uh, just to help us minister. Let me just say again, your pastor Josh mentioned last week, as we launch into this, we're very conscious as a leadership team in Arena, our elders, our directors, that uh, there's some sensitivities in this area, in this very town at this time. And I'll say nothing more with regard to that, 
rather than, but just to encourage friends to realize that God wants us to live a blessed life. As I'll come in a moment, a blessed life ministered with balance and grace will inevitably position us for a generous life. And I encourage you today not to put a lid on your life that forever stops you going into the future not being generous. We understand some of the pains. We understand some of the issues. Uh, And uh, it may be that you've got to get to a place of forgiveness. As C.S. Lewis says, everybody thinks forgiveness is a great idea until they've got to do it. And I spoke on forgiveness in a leaders meeting on Wednesday morning. I've got a piece of paper and my exercise book, 11 things that I feel I could have a, something of unforgiveness about, about one person, a minister colleague. I've wrote them all down. I've put his name there, forgiven. So it's not just hard for you, it's hard for me. Uh, but the reality is that living in a sense of holding, holding, holding will never liberate you into what God has called for your life. I want to encourage you that as a leadership, as a shepherd team of Arena Church, we get it. We absolutely get it. We feel the pain, but we encourage you to process forward into the blessed life that God has called you to live. And what does the blessed life mean? Well, in Matthew, Jesus speaks about blessed are those that are poor in spirit. That's not being, it means about being dependent on God. Blessed are the meek, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the peacemakers. And in the Amplified Version, you get a definition of blessed. Now, when we were on secondment in Manchester for 18 months, we used to do a Bible school night on a regular basis. And there was a lady there called Shadi, a wonderful African lady. She, uh, she uh, worked as a nurse. She'd come in off the night shift on Saturday night, straight into the meeting Sunday morning. And said, Pastor, I'm sorry I'm late. She just finished. And, uh, and uh, so she used to read from the Amplified version. I said, Shadi, we're going to be here to midnight if you keep doing this. Because the Amplified Bible is exactly that. It amplifies. And so here's the, here's the definition from the Amplified Bible for the word blessed. It's not on the screen. The screen will help us in a moment. But it says this, blessed and happy and enviably fortunate and spiritually prosperous of those that are blessed. That is to be in a state which enjoys and finds satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of our outward circumstances. And as we journey towards 2020 Vision Joint Service in two weeks' time, the encouragement from the leadership of the church, Julie last week, me this week, next person next week, Josh next week, just encouraging us to continually live our lives in a way that will be blessed of him. Now, if we just have the slide up, Robert, the first verse I want us to think about this morning before we come to the main text is this. This is Jesus talking. And Jesus is talking in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And he's, talking, he's asking the question, where's your treasure? Is your treasure on earth or is your treasure in heaven? And he goes on to say that no one can serve two masters. You can't have him as the master and this is them. You can't serve two masters. And in the New King James Version, it says you cannot serve God and mammon. Now that word mammon is an unusual word uh, with, uh, with a, an unusual um, 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 uh, sort of... Uh, 
background to it, but deliberately used. And it, it, it finds its source in the word riches. But here's what Jesus is saying. It's saying that you can't serve two masters. And so mammon seeks to bring you into serving it rather than you serving the Lord. Mammon wants to be in charge of your life, not Jesus. Here's the truth, friends, about our wealth and our substance. It's not about how much you've got. We want people to be amazingly blessed. It's whether it has got you. And if it has got you, then the potential is that you won't serve the master, Jesus, but you will serve another master, mammon. And God is continually working in our hearts to bring us to a place where we will give over to him. So what's the antidote for this verse? Antidote, those of you in medicine will know sometimes you have to give an antidote. Somebody has got poison running through their system. They need an antidote. They need something that will combat it. An antidote, combating poisons, feelings, situations. What's the antidote to that challenge? And here's where I'm going to go for the next 20 minutes. The antidote is generosity. Not pushing us away from God to serve something else, but drawing us to God so that we live out his purposes. So I'm going to read from John chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. And as I do that, Robert's going to put a verse on the board that will be particularly where we're going to just concentrate for a few moments. So some of you might want to follow it on your phone, on your, in your Bible, or however you're accessing your Bible. John 12, and it says these words. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, which was a little village, where Lazarus lived. Well, we'll come to that in a minute because he was dead. John 11. Um, But he lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table, as Eastern culture would work out. Then Mary, Lazarus's sister, took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. One of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, said, Huh, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in. Jesus said, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Generosity. And for the next few moments, I just want to speak about that wonderful, wonderful truth of generosity. But let me set the scene for a moment. So there's a party. There's a dinner. Uh, it, you, you always like that invite through the post you, you were invited uh, on Friday uh, made us some, to a dinner RSVP, black tie, boom, boom, boom we're on it. 
Nice thing to look forward to. So they were at this dinner that was honoring Jesus. Good reason to honor Jesus because in John 11, Lazarus was dead. He'd been dead for four days. And Jesus seemed to dawdle to the situation, if you read it. He didn't seem to have any impetus. He didn't seem to have any haste. And when he arrived, um, he said, Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. He says, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to call him out of the grave anyway. And in John eleven twenty five, Jesus was confessed as, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believes in me will never die. You know the story, says, Lazarus, come forth. And the great economy of God was that as Lazarus came forth, embalmed as in Eastern culture, Jesus then said to the people around, take off his grave clothes. So miracles have an economy to them, otherwise they're not miracles. They're outstanding, they're extraordinary. But the one that was dead physically came alive. So the family says, hey, it'd be a good idea to have a party to honor Jesus. Good idea. I want to say this morning that if you're dead inside, Jesus Christ is still the resurrection and the life, and he wants to make you alive. The old-fashioned word is he wants to quicken you. He wants to bring you alive. You may be here this morning saying, why are these people getting pumped? Why does Jared and Paul seem so enthusiastic about their church? Because they are alive. Alive. And uh, church should be full of life. I tell you, if you'll take life into your situation tomorrow, you will inevitably make a difference. Because all around us is death. And so... As they're having this party, as they're eating, talking, chatting, drinking, enjoying each other's fellowship, Mary expresses this extraordinary act of generosity. And I'll come to that in a moment in terms of, uh, again, the culture. But she takes hold of a pint of pure nard, described as an expensive perfume. She pours it over the feet of Jesus and she washes Jesus' feet with her hair. There's so many subplots to that that we don't have time to go for this morning, friends. But it was in a complete abandonment of Mary's love for Jesus. And she poured it over his feet. Um, And out of that, out of that amazing expression of response to the Lord. I want to make three points briefly this morning about the generous life that is inevitably blessed. Number one, generosity is extravagance. It's extravagance. This was incredible. Absolutely incredible. What does generosity mean? Well, it means to be kind. It means to be open-handed. It means to be unselfish. It means to be lavish. Extravagance, please listen to this, is not to do with amount, it's to do with attitude. It's not to do with amount, it's to do with attitude. So David, when he was raising an offering for Solomon to build the temple in the Old Testament, raised in today's terms tens of thousands of pounds. David wanted to build the temple. God says, you're not building it. You're a man of war. Solomon is. But you raise the offering. 
You rate, so, and it says in 1 Chronicles 29 that the people responded willingly. But then Jesus tells a story in the New Testament of a poor widow lady that gave two mites. And in, again, in the culture of the day, uh, anybody here old enough to remember a farthing? Come on, get your hand. There we go. There we go. You see, you remember the old, this is before we had, this is when we had in pit. Some of them are saying, what, 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 what? But pre-1971, we used to have pounds, shillings, and pence. Who can remember that? Wow, we've got such a young congregation in Mansfield. It's awesome. Okay. It was tough at school because you weren't working to tens, you were working to twelves. Can you remember? Anyway, I'm saying all that because a mite was a farthing. It was minuscule in worth, but she put all that she had into the temple fund. And Jesus highlighted and pointed and said, this woman's blessed. She's amazingly generous. Other people were coming along, making a big sort of song and dance about what they were doing. Outward expression, aren't we incredible, aren't we? And they were sort of making a big show. But they weren't really giving much. It was a heart attitude. It wasn't about amount. It was about attitude. And across any local church in the earth, friends, because any local church worth its salt gathers a variety of people, experiences and situations, there'll be ways in which we can respond to God with unequal amounts, but with the great same heart attitude. And when we gather that, church really begins to work forward. So generosity, it's extravagance. But number two, generosity, it's enemy. Oh dear, wouldn't it have been great if everybody said... But Judas, hey, hey. What's going off here? Why didn't this woman not do what she did... And give the money to the poor. Seemed a, seemed a good question. Seemed a good question. But you see, motives are weighed by the Lord. Her motive was right. His motive was wrong. And, uh, and uh, why don't we just keep it to ourselves? <clears throat> why don't we just use it for what we want to do? It seemed wrong. Why wasn't this perfume sold and given to the poor? You see, the context is at times, friends, that when our heart attitude is warring against God, it becomes an enemy and everything becomes mine. You ever been, we've got three little ones now racing around. Boy, I realise I'm getting older. I mean, when I was 30, I would run, you know, but last week they came, we were absolutely shattered. I can't tell you, you know, because they're always on the go. But as these little ones are growing older, there's a tendency to say, mine, mine, mine. So Caleb's got a, a, a lorry that we bought him, but all of a sudden Charlotte wants this, this lorry. It's nothing to do with her. Nothing. It's his little... T- mine, mine, mine. No, it's not yours. It's his. But it's immaturity. It's kids growing up. And in the Christian church, friends, we've got to get beyond immaturity to say, mine, mine, mine. My time, my talents, my resource. Because when we don't serve two masters, it's no longer mine, it is his. 
Last week we talked about stewardship and stewardship is recognising that God has entrusted us with things that don't belong to us. So we better make a good job of it. Not mine, but his. Why wasn't this given to the poor? He wasn't bothered about the poor. In fact, the Bible says he was taking money out of the bag as the treasurer for himself. He was fiddling the books, to use modern day terms. But what happened was that this extravagance, this generosity came against his heart and he tried to use what seemed a plausible statement by pushing back on it. And the statement became critical and cutting and cynical. Have you ever responded to God and somebody else has not got it? And they sort of say something to you, you think, well, what was that about? What was that? Why, why didn't they get it? Because they're in the same place as he was. And so they try to seek to impute an impure motive on you when the impurity of motive lies with them. Don't let it happen. Keep being what God has called you to be. And so let me just remind you of why he was threatened. The Bible says that this lady... When she poured that pint of perfume over Jesus' feet, it tells us that it was worth 300 denarii, the currency of the day, which was a year's wages. Now, don't come up to afterwards and argue about this, but the reality is, because you say, well, that's miles above what I think it is. The average salary in our nation is about £27,000 per annum. You push up. And around here, it's a little less. But let's say £25,000. We know that many people are earning more than that and many people earning less than that. I'm talking about the average. The average salary, 25000 Imagine this morning pouring something on Jesus' feet that was worth a year's wages. That's what she did. And what happened in Eastern culture is that they used to save perfume. It was like a nest egg. Talked about burial. It was like a nest egg for burial. So they'd save it, they'd add to it, and you to build and build and build. Maybe you've got a little nest egg, a little piggy bank somewhere, a little sort of an account. You just put a few pounds in. It's for the future. And so she didn't think about the future, she captured the present and she poured it over Jesus. Now please. Do not go away from Marina Ilkeson this morning saying that Phil Pye has asked me to put a year's wages in the office. I have not said that. I have not said that. I'm trying to illustrate generosity. And she gave all that she could to the Lord. Whatever God's saying to us, friends, let's come to a place in our lives where we're generous so that we can give everything that God wants us to give so generosity is extravagance generosity it's enemy and then finally generosity is endurance because in mark 14 which is the parallel passage to this jesus says i true so he goes this is the gospel writers we did this in the synoptics they all come with a little bit more of adding to the story so mark adds to luke and says truly i tell you wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world What she, Mary, has done will be told 
in memory of me. Here I am, 2,000 years later, still talking about what this lady did in a party in pouring out the perfume on Jesus' feet. Did you know today, friends, that the generosity of your life can lead a legacy that spills down into the generations that follow you? I'm telling you. Let me give you two or three examples. C.T. Studd, you say, well, who's he? But in the late 19th century, Studd was an aristocrat from an very wealthy family. He was a Cambridge University student. He was a brilliant sportsman. Whatever your sport is today, put Studd's name there. Beckham, Ronaldo, Messi, whoever it is, put Studd's name there. And he gave away of his aristocratic wealth for the cause of mission. There is a missions organisation called WEC, World Evangelization Crusade, still operates. They've still got a Bible school just north of London. And C.T. Studd said this, if Jesus Christ be God and gave his life for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. And so he gave away for the cause of mission generously. Can anybody remember Lang Construction, L-A-I? And I keep asking questions this morning. You've got such a young congregation at Mansfield that I feel as though I'm 170, you know. <laughs> Lang Construction used to have a yellow sign. Thank you, thank you. Well, when John Lang died, he left literally pounds in his will because he was a Scottish brethren man and he made millions through a very successful construction company. They'd given it away. And then let me tell you the story. It was quite ironic, uh, uh, um, Jared, that you mentioned uh, C.H. Spurgeon this morning. C.H. Spurgeon was an amazing preacher in London in Victorian times. Metropolitan Tabernacle, you can still go there today, but it won't have the same congregation. 5,000 people used to gather every Sunday at Metropolitan Tabernacle near the Elephant and Castle, South London. They don't say South, they say South, you know. But that's where the church is. And uh, his messages used to be in the Times on a Monday morning. That, that was the influence. Imagine the Chad coming to me and saying, you know what, we want your message on the front page. Have, oh, come on. You know. <laughs> he planted over 180 churches in the southeast of England. He wrote thousands of tracts and leaflets, an amazing influence. And one day he had a passion to reach boys and girls for Jesus and he wanted to start a home at home. Those of you that are in charitable sector will know that the Spurgeon's Homes is still a very, very respected charity today. I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the endurance of generosity. And what happened was they began to pray. Monday night at, at Spurgeon's church was the powerhouse. It was the prayer meeting. They began to pray and there was a lady that came to their attention a lady by the name of Miss Anne Hillyard. She wasn't even in his church. In fact, she was the wife of a retired vicar. And she sent the church a check to help them start the first Spurgeon's home for boys. And Mr. Spurgeon and one of the deacons said, we need to find out where this lady lives, which was a real task because she was very quiet. She was very reserved. She was very understated. But eventually they found out where they lived. They knocked on the door and they said, we want to come and say thank you for sowing into the vision of the boys' song. We really appreciate you writing out a cheque for £200. She said, oh dear, Pastor Spurgeon, I've got it wrong. I thought I'd sent you a cheque for £20,000. He said, you did, but we thought you'd got it wrong and you meant £200. 
But this lady had written out a cheque for £20,000, which in today's language is £1.3 million. And here we are, many generations later, and Spurgeon's home still exists on the back of the enduring generosity of a lady that didn't even go to the church, but somehow the Spirit of God came to her, Jared, and touched her and drew something out of her. I want to say, friends, that Arena Mansfield is not just here for the next year. It's not just here for the next 10 years. It's here for generations. There are kids that aren't even yet born that are going to come to this church. There are children that uh, at the moment don't seem to have much of a chance they're going to find this church. There are young people that are perplexed by the complexities of the challenge of 21st century living that are going to come to this church and be blessed. There are older people. There are people that haven't yet got a roof over their head. And through the generosity of this church, they are going to be blessed. And people are going to be talking about it for years and years and years to come. That's the power of generosity. And we thank God for it. So as I close... This morning, I want to encourage you to be generous as it pours out of the gratitude of your own heart. God has been so good to us. And be generous simply for generosity's sake and to ask for no return. One of the cultural values of Arena Church, something that we thought about very strongly some years ago, vision and values. And you'll find it in some of our uh, documentation that's been articulated and committed to print is the value of generosity. We know that we don't live in a high earning area. We know that the East Midlands often comes way down. We know that we're not in the South East. We're not in London. Um, We know all of that. And yet, friends, we've said, by God's grace, may each one of us continue to carry a spirit of generosity. And when we wrote these values, we tried to draw some responses to them. Here's the responses to what I've spoken about this morning. It says this. We will recognise that we're blessed by God's amazing generosity to us and so be liberated to a journey of a generous life. We will always take opportunities to give rather than hold back mine. We will allow generosity of heart to pervade every area and attitude of our lives. Generosity of words, of encouragement, all of those things. We will understand that generosity is never determined by how much we've got but what we do with what we've got. And then a quote from John Wesley, who brought a revival to this nation through Methodism. He said this, we will do all that we can by all the means that we can, in all the ways that we can, in all the places that we can, at all the times that we can, to all the people we can, for as long as we can. With what God's given us, we will be generous. Friends, if you've heard this message this morning as me as one of the leadership team at arena trying to get something out of you you've heard it wrong you've really really heard it wrong you've really heard it wrong i'm asking you this morning as we journey towards the next stage of the expression of our generous life giving through the 2020 vision as we gather here i say it carefully in hundreds in a couple of weeks time to let god keep touching your heart A younger person, you say, well, I don't even earn a wage yet. Determine that when you start to move into your working life, you're going to be generous. People here today looking at your circumstances, I get it. If you'd heard some of the circumstances, sharing and me have had to plot over our journey of ministry and life, you'd be gasping and gulping. But we're still here confessing that we want to be generous. 
Those of you this morning, I tried to handle it with sensitivity at the beginning that are navigating pain. I encourage you to come out the other side with your generosity without compromise. And people will pray with you and help you in all of that. And for people this morning that have never given their lives to Jesus, Jared in his leading of the prayer reminded us that God has given everything. He's given everything that we might become something, that we might make a difference in our life, in our time, that spills down the ages forever. Amen. Let's pray.